Here we go. John chapter 20, starting in verse 24. And this is what it says. Now Thomas, one of the twelve called the twin he's one of the 12 original disciples that christ went after and brought unto himself that walked with him through his three years of ministry he was not with them when jesus came so the other disciples told him we have seen the lord but he said to them unless i see in his hands the marks of the nails and place my finger into the marks of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Fast forward, eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them this time. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them, and he said to them, Peace be with you. Then he looked and said to Thomas, Come here. Come here, Thomas, put your, put your finger here in my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus says to him, says, have you believed because you've seen? Blessed are those who've not seen and yet still believe. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for it. Holy Spirit, I pray that, that you would continue to speak and minister to each and every one of our hearts today. And I pray, Lord, that, that I would decrease so that your spirit would increase so that this word you've given me, God would go forth and it would find fertile soil on the hearts of men and women and that that seed would produce a fruit for your kingdom 30 60 and 100 fold that god this word would not fall upon dry dry ears or or hard ground holy spirit anoint these words give them authority to bring what was dead to life i pray that right now Jesus, we love you, we worship you, because it truly is all about you. All of this is for you. We give you the glory and you the honor. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. What's up, CWC? How y'all doing today? Come on, if you're good, shout, I'm good in the chat. Come on, man. Well, I know this, that I'm excited that all of you have decided to join us today. Because I was thinking about this, there's a plethora of other churches that you could have, you know, chose to, to tune into today, but you didn't. You decided to tune in right here, and we are thankful for that. There's no doubt about it. And, and can I tell you this? You've made the right decision. Amen. You made the right decision because I do, I believe that God has given us a word for today. And, and look, I don't believe this. I don't believe that, that you chose CWC this morning by happenstance. I don't believe that you, you chose to watch this with us by coincidence. I believe, I believe this, that you are, are here with us today because God designed before the beginning of time that you would be right here, right now, getting ready to receive this word. Amen. I believe that. 
I believe that. See, I think a lot of times, man, we are way too dismissive of where we are and why we are there. Like the only reason that we tuned in this morning, right, to church is because mom always has it in on in the kitchen. And so, you know, I'm here at the house, so I'm going to tune in with her just because I got nothing else better to do. And so I'm going to sit down and do it. Or like this, like, you know, hey, my wife keeps bugging me to watch this. And I'm, so I'm tired of hearing it. So I'm just going to watch it so I don't have to hear about it any longer. Or you, you think just because you were scrolling through Facebook this morning and you, you came across, right, you came across this because a friend of yours shared it. And so now you're just curious, and so you're, you're checking it out, right? This is, this is factors in the reason you're tuning in. They're factors. But, but see, I believe that God works all things together for our good. I believe that God is constantly trying to set us up for an encounter with his son, Jesus, because he cares for us. See, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says it this way. He said, you see the birds of the air. They neither reap nor gather into barns, but yet our heavenly Father makes sure that they are taken care of. And you are of greater value than they are. So he will definitely take care of you. See, we have to understand that God puts a very high value on you. And he wants you to know him and he wants to know, and he wants to know you. And because that's the truth, he's always trying to reveal Jesus to us. Because look, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through him. In other words, the only way that you and I can be in right standing with God this morning, the only way that you and I can know God, the only way that we can live for God or, or make it into heaven is because we know Jesus and Jesus knows us. And because that's the case, man, the Father is constantly trying to set us up for an encounter with his son, Jesus. So although your, your wife, your husband, your mom, your dad, your grandma, your grandpa, your, your friends, or happenstance, or otherwise, can be factors in the reason that you're watching today, God wants you to know that although they may be factors, he's the orchestrator. Come on, he's the one that wants you to hear this message today so he can reveal himself to you. He's the one that, that made it to where you are right here, right now. And I believe you're gonna have an encounter with the son of God this morning. I'm praying that, I'm believing that, that today we will all meet Jesus in a brand new way, amen. Amen. Come on. If you believe that this morning, put that in the chat. Put amen in the chat because everything is yes and amen in Jesus' name. And it's funny. So the other day I had this guy, he asked me, he said, why, why do you keep telling people to put things in the chat? And he was really annoyed, by the way. <laughs> and so I responded to him just as annoyed, right? Praise God. You, you give it, I'm going to give it back to you. But I responded just as annoyed, and I said, because, man, I, I want to make sure that people are tracking with me. I want to make sure that everyone is engaged with me. See, church looks different right now, and I can't see all the different faces, but I can see what they are typing. And if you are typing, then you are listening. And if you are listening, then you are receiving. And if you are receiving a word from God this morning, I know you will be defeating the enemy on behalf of your family. Come on. So that's why I keep telling you. Write it in the chat so I know that you're with me, and today's going to be no different, amen? Because I really, really believe that God is wanting to, to be giving something that you can be receiving from him. I believe it's a rhema word. 
a word for now. So let me get a drink before we hop in. A word for now. So last week, man, we, we ended our message titled The Proofs in the Pudding. Not proofs in the pudding, but proofs in the pudding. And we talked about scars, right? We talked about scars. It's how we ended it. And I really felt like today that the Lord wanted to pick up right where we left off with a message titled The Scarred Proof. Come on, put that in the chat. The Scarred Proof. Come on, all you guys say that with me. The Scarred Proof. Amen. And one of the things that I've realized in this thing called life, especially during my years now of pastoring, is that every single one of us, man, have, have scars on us. Every single one of us have had things happen to us, and because those things happened to us, they now have left scars on us. There is a, a scarred proof that we've been through what we have been through. And I can remember, I'll tell you a little story really quickly about one of my scars. I'm not going to tell you about all my scars because those are just between me and God, but I'll share this one with you. <laughs> I can remember when I was just a little dude, man. Actually, on my fifth birthday, I got this little Honda 50 dirt bike, which, by the way, I called around to a bunch of people trying to get a motorcycle for today's message, so I had a prop here with me. But, but to my surprise dismay, nobody had a motorcycle. Praise God. I was super surprised by it. Right? I was like, there's no way, man, we can live in the country and no one has a motorcycle that, that, that I, can, I can use. But I, but I did seize that opportunity. I seized it to have a conversation with my wife that my son Abishai needs one now. I'm just saying. Because my goodness, man, we can't live in the country and not have a motorcycle, right? We, we just can't do it. I mean, all these poor kids, I mean, I was really pouring on thick to my wife. Like, hey, man, all these poor little kids, the injustices that they are having to, to deal with by not having a motorcycle. Man, I, I was really wanting it. So let me say this to everyone who couldn't provide for me the dirt bike I asked you to provide. My son sent his warmest thank yous to you because now he gets one because you couldn't find me one. Praise the Lord. And I'm not kidding either. <laughs> and I'm not kidding either. <laughs> but anyway, on my fifth birthday, I got this brand new little Honda 50 motorcycle, man. This thing had three speeds. Now, it didn't have a clutch, but it was an automatic three shift. So you, so you had to let off the, off the throttle to shift it. So it was like, ranch, 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 right? Three speeds, man. And, and I love this thing. It was red. It was the most amazing gift that, that, could I, that I ever did receive. And, and man, I would ride this thing everywhere. I'd ride it to my grandma's. I'd ride it to my cousins. I'd ride it to my cousin's cousins and my friends' cousins. I, I rode this thing everywhere. Now, before you judge my parents, back in the mid-80s, okay, it was a lot different back then. Okay, you could go and run around all day long and nobody worried about you. Matter of fact, it was, it was frowned upon if you came back before dark, okay? So, so you stayed out after breakfast, clear to dark during the summer. And, and so, man, I would ride this thing. And I had a motorcycle to, to, to go out all day long on as a, as a little kid, man. But something I'll never forget about this dirt bike is one day I was out riding it with my cousins, which, by the way, was a no-no. I was not allowed to double anyone on the back of this motorcycle. Um, and, and so my parents was very clear about that. They were very adamant about that. But here at this time, I had been riding this bike for a long time. Right, it'd been it'd been over a year at this this point, and so to be honest, I considered myself a seasoned vet. All six years of me, come on, somebody, I knew how to ride this 
this bike. And, and I thought now, right, I could double someone. I could back then, maybe not when I was five, but now at six, man, I got this. I got this. At this point in time, I'm taking this bike for a ride. The bike isn't taking me for a ride. And for all those who rode motorcycles, you know this, that if the bike is taking you for a ride, it's too much bike. Okay. So you need to put it down, but I'm riding this bike now. And so I think, man, I got this under control. And I throw my cousin on the back of it. And I'm like, come on, man, thinking I'm hot stuff, right? And at the end of our road, which was called Davis Lane at the time, you, you would drive up it, right? And it had like a little knoll. Well, at the top, there was an S-curve, okay? Well, at the, at the very front of this S-curve, at the first point, it dropped off into my cousin's driveway, all right? And at the end of the, the road, there was about an 18-inch gap there. About an 18-inch drop would be better said, right? 18-inch drop, and, and I would fly up the road, man, and I would hit that little 18-inch drop, and I would ramp off of it. I thought it was amazing. It was the funnest thing ever. I'd get some air. I, I thought I was 10 feet in the air. It was probably only two feet, but hey, I, I, I loved it, and I thought I perfected this jump, but I'd never done it with someone on the back before, but I got this. I'm a seasoned vet. Remember, I'm seasoned. I know how to ride. Got my cousin on the back, tell him to hold on. And as we're coming up, man, I got this thing wound out, man. I got it throttled up. I, I had the throttle here. I should have been here with the throttle. I'm in third gear, but I'm flying. And when I get to that ramp and I hit that ramp, man, we get some good air on it. We get some good air. The problem with it was, is my cousin got scared. We got air. He got scared and jumped off the bike. And well, when he jumped off the bike, it knocked the bike off balance. So when I landed, right, the bike came out from under me, man, I face planted straight into the gravel driveway, splitting the corner of my head wide open. And it looked like a Jason horror flick. I mean, blood was everywhere. It was running in my eyes. It was all over my clothes. And I can remember it very vividly. And I remember having to go into the to the hospital to get several stitches. So now I have the scar to prove, it's right here, a scar to prove that all this happened to me. I have the, the scarred proof that I wrecked the motorcycle when I was just a little dude. See, we, we, all have, we all have scars, every one of us. Some of you have scars with stories similar to the one that I just told you, while others of you have scars and the stories behind your scars are a whole lot worse than the story I just told you. And these scars have left marks on you and they remind you of what happened to you. You have the scarred proof that you've been through it. You have the marks to prove it. You have the scars to show for it. While others of us have scars that haven't left physical marks on our bodies, but they've, they've left deep emotional scars in the deepest parts of our soul. We've had people wrong us, right? We've been wronged by people, places, and, and things, and, and we are reminded of what happened to us on a daily basis. See, we all have, have scars. We all have the, the scarred proof of the things we've been through in this life. And Here's the thing about scars, here's the thing. Scars can be really painful. Scars can be very sensitive. 
And because that's a fact, for many years of my life, I thought scars could only mean harm. That scars could, could only have been the wrong and the harmful things done to me. That's what produced scars on me, right? This is what produced the scars on me. We have all had scars in our lives. I thought scars could only mean pain because of after all that I've been through. A scar means that we've been hurt. A scar means we've been cut. A scar means we've been damaged. A scar means we've been mistreated. That's the only way that we can be scarred. Matter of fact, it is the, the dictionary. In the dictionary, its meaning is you are scarred when you've experienced hurt and trauma. So I had only ever thought of scars in a very negative way very negative way. And until one day, right, the Lord revealed to me something about scars in a brand new way. And he, and he showed it to me in John chapter 20, starting in verse 24. See, it's something you have to realize, again, we're right back here like we were last week. Jesus has just resurrected from the dead. And he showed himself to several of his followers on a couple different occasions. Matter of fact, it says eight days earlier, he finds his disciples. And his disciples are hiding in fear because the Jewish leaders were looking for them so that they could kill them because they are following him. Just because they had given their lives to Jesus, now the world hates them. The world was persecuting them. They were speaking all kinds of different manners of evil against them. The world was, the world was scarring them. And so they were hiding from them. And later on in their lives, we'll actually see in the disciples how they'll endure many other hardships. They will be beaten with whips. They will be chased from their homes. They will, they will lose all their possessions. Some will be beheaded. Others will be hung upside down on a cross while others are in complete exile from all that they've loved. So see, they would need to have a revelation of what scars can, can mean, what they can do for us. And see, Jesus, he, he gives us a warning about this. In John chapter 16, so it's four chapters prior, he's, he's telling them, he's telling us that in this life you will face trials of many kinds. And see, trials do lead to, to scars. And so Jesus warns us, so we'll be prepared for it. And then in John chapter 20, his disciples are experiencing this. And they are, they are scarred by it, and so they're hiding out because of it. And what does Jesus do about it? It says in John chapter 20, verse 19, that he came and stood in the midst of them. And he revealed to them the scars that humanity had left on him to prove it was him, to prove he is enough, to prove he is I am, to prove the proofs in the pudding. He, he shows up in the midst of them to show them. And he says, look, look at my hands where the nails were placed. Here, look at my side and take your hand and place it in my side where the, the spear pierced me for your transgressions. He shows up right in the midst of them to show them the scarred proof that it really was him. Now, I, I want you to think about this just for a moment, okay? He walked with these people 
He talked with these people. He, he ate with these people. He performed many, many miracles in front of these people. They seen him open the eyes of the blind. They seen him open the ears of the deaf. They even seen him raise people from the dead. They seen Jesus do so many miracles that in John chapter 21, in verse 25, it says it this way, that if all the miracles Jesus performed was written down in books, the world would not be able to contain the number of books that would have to be written to describe the miracles he had performed. And these people that he is showing up to seen all this live and in person. They didn't read about it in Charisma Magazine. They didn't read about it in Christian Today. They didn't watch it on a YouTube, right, YouTube channel and, and, and think to themselves, make excuses to themselves. Maybe that didn't really happen because the footage was doctored. See, see they, they didn't have any of that. They seen it. They were actually a part of it for three whole years. Yet when the trials of life came, and their scars started to appear. They allowed those scars to turn them into victims. And so now they are in, they're in hiding. And, and what does Jesus do about it? He comes looking for them, I love it. He comes looking for them. And when he finds them hiding, hiding, he doesn't rebuke them. Instead, he encourages them. And then the scripture says that he breathes on them and fills them with the greatest gift he could ever give them, his Holy Spirit. And now at this point in time, the same spirit that just rose him from the grave, right? That just caused him to get up out of the grave. That same spirit now lives in them. It's, a, it's amazingly wonderful truth for those of us who follow Jesus. Look, they would have deserved to be rebuked. I know there's been a ton of times in my life when I deserved the Lord to rebuke me, but instead of rebuking me, he loved on me. Instead of rebuking me, he encouraged me. Instead of rebuking me, he revealed himself to me in a brand new way like never before. This is who Jesus is. This is how Jesus desires to be and who he desires to be for each and every single one of us. And he has the scars to prove it to us. It's it's the scarred proof of his love for us. But Thomas, one of the, the original 12, wasn't with the rest of them when Jesus showed up to show them the scarred proof. Wasn't with him. And when they tell Thomas of how they seen him and how they met him and it really was him, his reaction to them was, I will never believe until I see the scars until I put my fingers in the, in the place where the nails went in, until I put my hand, my hand, not your hand, my hand in, this, in his side where he was pierced for our transgressions, until I see that, until I see the scarred proof, I will never believe it was him. You know what's amazing to me? Is what Jesus does for him. He does the same thing for Thomas as he did for the rest of them because our God is no respecter of person. Social status doesn't matter to him. Race doesn't matter to him. Every single person matters a great deal to him. Matter of fact, 2 Peter chapter three says it this way, that God is patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but for everyone to come to repentance, for everyone to encounter 
And because that's him, when Thomas doubts him, when Thomas doubts him, which by the way is the name of many theologians had given Thomas at this time. This is what people were calling him. They call it the story of doubting Thomas. They, they literally called him that. But see, when Jesus comes for him, Jesus doesn't refer to him that way. He calls him by name. And he says, Thomas, come here. And this is, this is really good. You, you don't wanna breeze over this or check out on this. Because listen, people may call you something based off of the scars that have been left on you. They may name you something based off the hurts and the pains you've went through. They may call you an addict. They may call you an alcoholic. They may call you an adulterer. They may call you all these different names. But, but Jesus, when he comes after you, he will call you by name. Because before the foundations of the world was formed, he knew you and called you by name. So when he comes after you to reveal himself to you, he isn't seeing you through the lens of what has scarred you. He is seeing you through the lens of grace that will be perfecting you in spite of what has scarred you. That's actually really good if you didn't catch that. He's not seeing you through the lens of what has scarred you. He's seeing you through the lens of his grace that will continue to perfect you day in and day out in spite of anything that has scarred you. See, this is who Jesus wants to be to you. He wants to show you the scarred proof of how much he loves you. And we see this with Thomas and he tells Thomas, come here. Come here, see, see, see the scars. Put your fingers where the nails went in. Put your hand where the, where the, the, the spear went in. And, and don't disbelieve, but believe. Because you've seen the scarred proof. Because you've seen it. And right then, Thomas has this encounter with Jesus. And he makes this statement, which is the right statement, by the way. He says, my Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. And this was Thomas's part in all of it, to receive Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And it was right there that God began to speak to me about the scars that have been left on me. And he started to speak to me, explain to me about, about the meaning that scars can have. See, the only thing, right, that made it into heaven from humanity was the scars that humanity left on Jesus. It's the only thing, it's the only thing. Look, when we get to heaven, whether it's we are raptured and called up into the clouds with Jesus, or, right, we get to the end of our lives and we've lived for Jesus and, and we pass away and then we go to be with him. Either way that we get there, Nothing from humanity will be left in us or on us when we get there. We will be perfected by the Son. We will receive a glorified body. We will receive a purified mind. We will be perfect as our Father in heaven is perfect when we get to heaven. We will take nothing with us from this earth into heaven. And nothing of our flesh will make it into heaven. Let me say it again. Nothing from humanity will ever enter into eternity except, except for the scars that humanity left on Jesus. 
And, the, and that's the very thing that Jesus used to reveal himself to us was the scars. Thomas, Thomas, put your hands, put your fingers here, put your hands here. See the scars you've left on me. And this is how you will know it is me. What an incredible truth that is. And the Lord said to me this, he said, the scars you have received have the ability to bring about my reality, to show you I am your deliverer, to show you I am your redeemer, to show you I am your comforter, to show you I am your provider, to show you who I am to you. This is what the scars can do for you. Scars can remind you of what God has done for you through his son, Christ Jesus. You know, a couple years ago, right, I had to, to deal with some really deep emotional scars that a family member had left on me. Right, and they kept saying something to me. They kept saying to me, you know, you're a Christian and you're a pastor, so you have to forgive and forget. You have to forgive and forget all the things I've done to you. And I kept thinking to myself, wait a minute, how can I forget what you've done? I know I have to forgive you for what you've done because the Bible says, right, if I want my Father in heaven to forgive me, I have to forgive you. So I know I have to forgive, but how can I forget I've got the proof I've got the scarred proof that this happened to me. You did do these things to me. So there's no way that I can forget that you did them unless God literally extracts them from my memory. And I was talking to the Lord about this one day. I was talking to a dear pastor friend of mine, Pastor Tim Teague. And Pastor Teague said to me, he said, you'll never forget Keith but you can forgive in spite of the scars that are left on you, which will show you how great Jesus is in you. See, if the memory was just completely extracted from me, I wouldn't need a Jesus to forgive them on behalf of me because I, would, because I still didn't have the memory any longer, but because I do have this memory and I have forgiven them I know that it has to be God-given. The scars have the ability to bring about His reality in our lives. Jesus used His scars to show us who He is and what He did for us. And see, if you believe that, the scars that have been left on you by those around you and those closest to you. God will use them to show you how great he is, to highlight how he works all things together for the good, to highlight how God takes what the enemy means for harm and turns it for good. Man, scars hurt. We don't wish for scars, they're terrible. But this is why we need a Jesus that is great enough to set us free from them. So you can choose to look at those scars, those scars of how bad your earthly father has treated you and say to those scars and say, I see you enemy and how you tried to break me, but I choose to have these scars remind me that I have a heavenly father that is only good to me, that only loves me, that will never hurt me. No, I can't forget what my earthly dad did, but I can't forgive because my heavenly father has never left me. 
and will never forsake me. And he's always been here with me through everything that has happened to me. You could choose to look at the scars that a sickness has left on your body and see the scars and say, look, I'm not going to allow these scars to defeat me. I'm gonna allow them to remind me that I'm believing God for my healing. The scars that addiction and alcoholism has left on you can be the thing that reminds you of how far God has brought you. These emotional scars of what people has called you. Use them to remind you of how God calls you the head and not the tail. How you are above and not below. How he calls you a son or a daughter. All those scars that the enemy thought was going to break you can be the very thing that God can use to remind you of the victory that God has given to you. Man, don't let the scars make you a victim. Let them make you a victor. Let them remind you, you are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who has given you strength. The scars in my life, the ones I've, I've made because of bad decisions, the ones I've, I have because of other people's bad decisions, I choose to use them as a reminder of what Jesus has done in me in spite of what has happened to me. This is what living looks like. You know, the scar that's on my forehead, right, from the motorcycle accident that I was in when I was a little dude. I used to just remember of, of the hurt that happened on that day because it was traumatic as a little guy, six years old, right? You get cut, you gotta get stitches in your head and all these different things. But when God revealed this aspect of scars to me, now when I look at it, I choose to remember how after I wrecked, okay, I wrecked and my cousin, he, he ran off. He, he was scared to death that my dad was gonna wear our rear ends out. But see, I didn't run from dad, I ran to my dad. And when I got to my dad, he wasn't mad at me, he wasn't upset with me, he didn't rebuke me. Instead, he grabbed me and he bandaged me and he took me to the hospital. And the whole time he was comforting me and encouraging me and loving on me. So now when I look at the scar, I remember, I choose to remember how my dad took care of me, even though I was disobedient to him. And do you know what I've found through my entire life, through all my failures, all my mistakes, all my faults? This is what our Heavenly Father does for us. This is how God treats us. He's revealed to me through all the scars left on me that He is for me and not against me. He's used them to reveal to me Himself in an, in an even greater measure. Yeah, I've got a ton of failures. And I have the scarred proof to show for it. And listen to me. The enemy tried to kill me. But guess what? I'm still standing. I'm still praising. I'm still believing. And as long as there's air in my lungs, I'm still going to be preaching. Because I believe Jesus is enough. That he is the I am. That the proof's in the pudding. That the scarred proof he has. He loves me. He loves me. Scarred proof that he loves you. You see, guys, we have to we have to lift our eyes into the hills. For where our help comes from, it comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And, and I really feel like the, the Lord this morning really wants to set us free from what our scars used to mean. 
what our scars used to remind us of. See, Jesus used his scars to prove to us who he is within us and for us. And today, I believe that he wants you to choose to use your scars to remind you of what he's done for you and how much he loves you. Because the fact of the matter is this, most of your scars probably should have killed you, should have left you completely broken. But instead of being broken, you are still believing. You are still believing. Use those scars to reveal that, to reveal that to you. With every head bowed, every eye closed, right where you are. Jesus, we thank you that you set us free from all the hurts and the pains and the scars that we've accumulated over this life. That, Lord, you want to use them to show us how good you are to us. That we can look at them and see the, the scarred proof of how much you love us. That even though all these things has happened to us, you still desire us, you still want us, you are still for us. Lord, I thank you for that. And Lord, I just pray that each and every person today, God, would look at their scars in a brand new way. That it would no longer remind them of the hurt that's happened to them but rather it would remind them of what Christ has done in them. Lord, I speak a blessing over each and every person right now, right where they are. I thank you for them. I pray this week as they, they walk through their week, your presence would be so thick all about them that, Lord, they would know they can't escape you even if they tried. Touch each and every one of us today, Lord. Show us you are for us and in an even greater measures from the scars that have been left on us.